Now let's give Jesus a bigger hand than that. Come on, give Jesus some praise this morning if you're excited to be in God's house. That's so fun. I don't know if you like that story, the Christmas story or not, what your favorite Christmas movies are. They're kind of on repeat in our house right now. We're excited about the Christmas season. I want to take just a minute, look right in the camera, and welcome all of you joining us on the other sides of computer screens, tablets, and phones, part of our online community. We're so glad that you are a part of what God is doing right here at Five Stones Church. No matter where you are, we are glad that you're along for the ride. And today we continue on with our series, the Christmas series that we have been in over the last couple of weeks, and I want to talk about that in just a minute. But before we get into that, I do want to say that at the end of service today, we get to take part in our legacy offering, and I'm excited about that. Um, I've been talking to you a little bit about that over the last several weeks. I've been preparing you for that. And so just whatever God has placed on your heart to give today, we're going to give, and I'm excited about that. But before I, I get into that, and I want to talk a little bit about why that's so important and what that means to us, but I do want to let you know in just a few weeks, we are going to have our Christmas Eve service. And so every worship guide, you should have one of these. I've been talking to our worship team, and I've been preparing the message. I'm getting excited for it. I hope that you'll get one of these in the hands of a family member or friend or loved one that is near you, somebody that needs to hear the, the gospel message. It's going to be just a special time, and uh, I've been working on the message. It's also the time where we have our special candlelight Christmas service. Now, Christmas Eve falls on a Sunday, and so we're going to have not a special service uh, off by itself. We're actually going to have our normal services, 9.30 and 11 o'clock. So make sure you get this in the hands of somebody that you can invite to be a part. It's just going to be a really amazing time. I'm really, really looking forward to it. But today, we get to take part in something that's really exciting. At the end of the service, we're going to give together in the Legacy Offering. And it was during the Legacy series that we said, we basically defined that a legacy is something that someone remembers you by long after you're gone. That's, that's the kind of the definition of that. In fact, the book of Psalms says it this way, those who are righteous will be remembered. And so the question is, what are we going to be remembered for? Like, what, what is the thing that they're going to talk about after you're gone? What, what's the thing they're going to talk about as far as this church goes? Because they are going to talk, right? They're going to, they're going to say, this is what they did. And if the Lord doesn't return quickly, right, he's, one day you're going to be taken up to be with him, right? Like, because this, statistically speaking, uh, death affects one out of every one person, right? I mean, like, like aren't you encouraged and glad you came to church this morning? <laughs> but, like, but the truth is, that's actually a really good thing. Because if we're all going to one day die and go be in front of the Lord, then, then we get an opportunity to make the most of this life, that we get to decide what are we going to do with the one great life that God has given us? What do we decide that we're going to be remembered for in this life? And that's a really good thing because I believe that God didn't just create you to just live and enjoy this life. I think that's part of it. He wants you to enjoy it, but also he wants you to make a difference in the life of other people. And so I believe that's one of the reasons why we exist as as a church, we want to make a difference in the life of other people around us. And so th this is a, an incredible opportunity that we have today. And, and, and it's not because your church hasn't been doing stuff, right? Like as a church, we have, have done some stuff. Even just as a church that's barely a, a little over a year old, we have done incredible things. I wanted to, I, 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 sometimes we can get so busy in what we've done that we stop for a moment and, and don't even take into account what God's done through your church just in this last year. I mean, we've given away five vehicles. We've given away hundreds and hundreds of meals to hungry people. We've helped schools. We have helped launch churches in, in other communities. We have done incredible stuff. Your church has given to Israel, and we have given to, to ministries 
overseas, in Mexico. We're doing all kinds of incredible things. And so today, it's not really another reason why we need to give. Like the legacy offering that we're going to give today is not because, well, we just really need to do some good things. Because honestly, we've done some good things. We've done lots of really good things as a church, but honestly, what I really feel like is that this is a great opportunity. There's so many opportunities out there, and I really feel like this is the best way that I can pastor us because I I feel like one of the greatest ways that you could celebrate Christmas is to just be intentionally generous this season. And I'm not just talking about in this offering. I'm talking about in your lives. Come on, amen, somebody, right? Like, like in, in this season, if you want to really have fun this Christmas season, I, I think what you ought to do is gather up as much cash as you can, and, and just as much as you feel comfortable letting loose of. And I don't care if they're dollar bills or $100 bills, but you ought to just take that and go radically bless some people in your community. I, I'm not as good at this as I want to be. I'm trying to get better, but I'm just telling you, if you want to have fun this season, you ought to try this. Like sometimes what, what Deborah and I will do, my wife and I, what we'll do is we'll go out and, and we'll go to a restaurant and, and we'll just intentionally go there with the understanding, the idea that at the end of this meal, we're going to radically bless a server. And, and we're just going like, to like radically bless them. And, and, and sometimes what we do is before we go is we'll actually pray about, Lord, direct us on what restaurant we go to. And we have to do that because if I just ask Deborah, it's, it's going to be a Mexican restaurant. I mean, like, that's, I don't even have to ask. I mean, like, it's just going to have an L or a Casa or something in the name. Like, she, I know where she wants to go. Sometimes I tell her, you know, Deb, maybe God wants us to bless servers that aren't Mexican. You know, like, there might be some other servers in our area. And so, so sometimes we'll pray. I remember one time, sometimes what we'll do is we'll take the kids with us and we'll say, hey, come with us and, and and we'll pray about where we're going to go, and we'll go to that restaurant. One time we went to, uh, I remember it was a Waffle House, and I don't know if the Lord was leading us there or not, but uh, like some of you, don't look at me like that, like you've never been to a slumming at a Waffle House. I mean, this is Tennessee. We love Waffle House, right? Like, like that's, I, I, I don't think, if you haven't been to a Waffle House in a minute, we can be real good friends, you know? <laughs> like I said it to somebody recently, and they said, yeah, but Waffle House is dirty. I said, oh yeah, we know. Like, like we know. We're not, we're not confused about that. You know, like when we go in, it's like eating dirt as a kid. You know what I mean? It's, it's not good for you, but it's going to build up your immunity system. So like we went into that Waffle House that day and we we're just like slipping and sliding right as we came in, you know, and we, we, we recognize this is going to happen because there's like a quarter inch of grease that covers the entire place. You know what I'm talking about? It's like right when you walk in the door, it's because it's an all an open air kitchen with chairs, you know what I mean? And, and so we walked in there, we're sliding there and, and we go, go there and we don't care because as long as it's scattered and covered, come on somebody, it's going to be, and they give you the like every piece of food that you have has its own plate like why do they do that (laughs) like the the table's only so big I got 12 why does my bacon need its own plate but but we went in there and we had our meal and and when we got to the done with the end of the meal our server was just this nice little sweet country thing and and she was nice to us and so attentive and everything and we got to the end of our meal and uh and, and I it was so much fun um, we, we just, like, after we done, we paid our, our meal, which wasn't that much because, you know, we were eating waffles. And, and when we were done, we left just a, a, like, a, like a make them notice kind of check, uh, like a tip. You know what I'm talking about? Like, a, like they're going to notice that this is more. And so we just put that kind of tip down. We paid for our bill and put that tip down. And then we walked out of the restaurant. And you know, like, Waffle House has got those great big old picture glass windows, you know what I'm talking about? And so we were trying to get out of there. We hopped in the car and we put it in reverse, but, but we didn't have enough time because she ran out to the window. And she had this tip in her hand, you know, and, and she was looking at us and, and she, I think at first she thought we made a mistake because she was like pointing at the money and we we're just backing out. We're just like going, Merry Christmas, you know, and then like these tears just popped out of her eyes. And I'm telling you guys, like, I, I think we blessed her 
But if you've never done that, man, that's fun. And, and I'm just telling you, like, if this, this is the type of season that we can do that kind of thing, that, like, that we ask ourselves, because I, I believe, like, God is, is looking for his sons and daughters, just good-looking, come on, sons and daughters of the Most High God that are willing to be his hands and feet. Like, in this season, just go out there and radically bless somebody, and it's just incredible, because I believe God cares for his people, I think God cares for him, and, and he's just looking for one of us to, to just go out and be in ha- his hands and his feet. And, and this is just a way to say that, you know what, it's really not all about us. It's about them. It's about others. And, and everything that we give today, everything that you give that's outside of your tithes and offering towards legacy, we're going to give it away. And it's going to be so much fun. And I, 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 I've already talked to, uh, to you a lot about that, but I, I don't want to talk too much about it. But I, I just want you to know that we're going to bless some, some local ministries in our areas. And uh, I'm, I'm excited about it. I wish you could go with me, honestly, and our outreach team as we go. Because what we're going to do, it, they don't even know that we're coming in most cases. And we're just going to, we're going to knock on the door and we're going to say, hey, on behalf of the incredibly generous people of Five Stones Church, um, Merry Christmas. And we're going to just drop this off. Use this in whatever way that you feel God is leading you to do. And uh, I'm telling you, man, it is so much fun. It's going to be so exciting to be able to do that. And this is, this is a season that we get to remind ourselves. Because when every one of us do a little together, we can do so much. And I'm excited about it this way. And I, I want to encourage you uh, this morning because I, I just I think about the legacy offering and everything that, that we can do through that. And I think this is the one opportunity that allows us to give a present to the birthday person, right? To Jesus, right? As we've been, you know, we've been talking through this series about why we do certain things that we do. You know, like, why is it we put Christmas lights out? Why do we do all of these things? And, and it just makes me think about, like, why do we give gifts? You know what I'm talking about? Like, do, raise your hand if you give exchange gifts at Christmas, right? Come on, your arm's not gonna break. Yeah, how about this? Do you have this tradition? Um, do, do you, like, those of you that are parents, do you let your kids open up a gift on Christmas Eve, like one gift. Who does that? Like, we, we, we've been doing that for a while. Like, our kids, and mainly because by the time we get to Christmas Eve, like, our kids were just like, it, the, they're just vibrating. You know what I mean? Because like, they've been looking at the Christmas, and then the, the, the schools let them out, and now they're looking at the presents and stuff, in some cases, that are underneath the tree. And so what we'll do is we had a tradition. We'll say, okay, you, on Christmas Eve, you can open one present. Just one. And uh, I've got one son, and what he's done ever since he was little, like, he would, like, take his and organize them and stack them and count them. Like, he's got all of his presents out there together, and he's just staring at them, like, which one he's going to do. And so that one, on Christmas Eve, you can open up one just because the, the, the anticipation is just palpable. palpable. And, and so I finally, I said, okay, it's time to open up the presents. And so his, his brother and his sister, they opened, they picked out theirs, but he picked out the big one. Because, you know, you know, like, when you're little, you, you think, like, you, you equate the big one with the good one. You know what I'm talking about? But we knew what was inside the boxes. So I kept trying to steer him in another direction. You know, like, how about, why don't you try this one? He's like, no, that, like, this is the one I want. And we're like, no, why don't you try this one? Like, he's like, no, no, this is the one I want. So we're, after a point, I'm not going to argue. I'm like, okay, let's open up the present. So his brother and sister opened up their present. They got toys. They're excited. And he opened up his, and it was a big old box of socks and underwear, you know. And his clothes and everything was all, it's like the misery box, you know. And, and he was so optimistic. He kept pulling stuff out. Like, I'm going to get to the toy. It's just got to get through this junk, you know. And she, he was going through the box, and he got to the end. It's just, he's holding the underwear, defeated, you know. And, and then I got to spend the rest of Christmas Eve uh, arguing why we shouldn't open two gifts on Christmas Eve, you know. 
And, and he was just trying to push that. And then, then that, it, there's nothing like having a Christmas Eve night where you're saying, like, if you don't share those toys, there's going to be no presents tomorrow. You know, just threatening your kids. And, and so, like, that, that's where we were with it. But sometimes I think we do that same kind of thing. We, we, we wonder, why is it at this time of year that we give presents in the first place? Like, why is it that we do that? Like, if you think about this, there are people today, or, or on Christmas Day, that will exchange gifts to one another. They don't even believe in Jesus, and yet they'll still do, still do that. Why is it that, that that exchanging of gifts became a tradition at Christmas times? Well, I think uh, the Bible kind of describes it in the most famous verse there ever was in John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. I mean, like the, the reason why we do this, the reason why we exchange gifts at this time of year has to do with the fact that Jesus gave, that he loved so much that he gave. In fact, Paul put it this way in 2 Corinthians. He said, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake, and he's referring to Christmas, this moment when he became a man, where God became flesh, and he says, yet for your sake he became poor so that by his poverty, you might become rich. I mean, it's just incredible. In other words, what he's saying is that a huge gift was given to you by Jesus' poverty. The moment that Jesus stepped out, stooped out of heaven and became a man in order to bring his family into glory, he did that for us. It's just incredible. It's, it's amazing. And so the very heart of Christmas, it begins with the, a divine overflow or outpouring of generosity, of kindness, of grace, of giving. It's at the heart of it because what he did for us, we could never possibly do for ourselves. There's no way that we could have done what he did for us and he decided to do this. This means that Christmas is honestly the only birthday party where we get the presents. Like, that doesn't even make any sense. You know what I'm talking about? Like, you ever have a birthday party where everybody else got presents but you? Like, I, there was one time I, when I was a kid, I, I think it was like my 10th birthday party. My, my parents threw me a birthday party. Uh, she, they, they were like, my mom said, invite your friends. So I invited like five or six of my friends over. And we, it was like probably the last little party I had as a kid. Like, I, it was one of those parties I still remember. You know, we had the, got the pizza and the cake and, and you invite all the friends over and they, they brought the toys. One of my friends, I, I invited my friend Eddie and, and he had a brother named Gilbert. And Gilbert was three grades above us. And he was a, a great big old boy, too. Like, I mean, he's a big kid. But I invited Eddie, but, but Gilbert came, too. And, uh, and when we came, we did all the games. We're having a good time. And I remember I, one of the toys that I got, I remember unwrapping it, and it was a, a tank. Like, and it was a cool one, too, like an army tank that made all the noises and did all the stuff. I mean, like, it was cool. And I couldn't wait to play with it. But, you know, I, like, I unwrapped it, put it off to the side, and I had other presents that I had to open. We, we had the song to sing and the cake to do, and so we did all that. And while I'm doing this, out of the corner of my eye, I saw Gilbert take the tank. And Gilbert started playing with the tank. And so, like, I'm unwrapping, and I'm watching, and he's, like, Gilbert was a big kid, and, and this was a small tank, and I don't know what possessed Gilbert, but he decided he wanted to ride the tank. And so he sat on my army tank, and when I was done, and everybody was going home, and I decided it was time to play with my tank, I went to find it, and it was, it was destroyed. It was flat. It was, like, it was, like, ridiculously flat. And all I could think was, Thank, thanks a lot, Gilbert. 
Thank you. I'm, I'm not bitter about it. I'm, it's, it's been, you know, 30 years. I'm, okay. I'm, I'm almost over it. But, but the thing is, it's like I, I had this, that was my gift, and yet Gilbert played with it to the, point, to the point where he broke it. And I always think, like, the best way to celebrate Christmas is to give Jesus something on his birthday because it's not about me, right? It's about him. It's his birthday. And I, I always think this, this is the perfect time for us to think about it. And I want you to think about this. What am I going to give to Jesus? What am I going to give to Jesus this Christmas? And some people tell me, like, I don't have anything to, to give to Jesus. Well, I want to show you a story in your Bible where, where I believe you can, you can see that there's something that you can give to Jesus. And, and it's a story. It's an incredible story. It's a story, uh, one of the most interesting stories in the Christmas story. It's a story of the Magi. Right? Or, or you may know it as the wise men. Now, the book of Matthew, what he does, Matthew, is he actually gives more time to the Magi than he does the birth of Jesus. And it's really interesting what he talks about here. And, and, and by the way, I'm going to mess up your nativity scene, too. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry to do this to you, but did you know that there, there probably wasn't three wise men? Did you know that? Like, I'm, and I'm sorry to mess this up, but there, there probably wasn't three. Like, there was no we three kings. Like, <laughs> that's, that's not the case. Because they, they wouldn't have traveled that way. In fact, most scholars believe that there was probably as few as 50, as many as 100 of these magi. And they were traveling over the desert. They, th- three guys traveling in the desert would not last very long. Like, they would be, just, they, they would be taken out, they would be robbed, they would be killed. They would travel in a, in a group. There was probably about 50, maybe as many as 100. And, and, and I want to also burst your bubble again. And I, I'm really going to mess up your nativity scene. But they probably weren't there away at the manger. They, they, they weren't there that time. Like, because they show up and Jesus, if you read the scripture, is about two years old. Now, now don't go back home and like kick them out of your nativity scene, okay? I mean, like they're, they're a beautiful part of the story. They just keep, you don't have to take them off the mantle. But, but they probably weren't there right there. Because when they, when they show up, they show up and Jesus is about two years old right before that the family has to flee. And they have to go to Egypt because Herod is going gonna, is gonna to kill them. Herod was determined to kill all of the babies at that time because he had heard the prophetic word that, that a king was going to come. And Herod was worried that he would usurp his, his throne. He would take him off his throne. Now, we all know he was looking for an earthly king. We all know that Jesus was a heavenly king. He, he was come to establish a heavenly kingdom, but the family had to flee. And, and before this, you have the Magi that are traveling, and they're traveling there, and they're following the star. Like, you're familiar with the story, right? We've heard it enough because we're so used to this story. They, they, these people were actually probably astrologers. They were pagan priests. And it's recorded this in, in the book of Matthew. It says the wise men went on their way, and, they, and the, the star that they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother Mary. They bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, so these, these wise men, these magi, were, were pagan priests. That's what they were. And they were looking for something. You know what? They honestly didn't even know what they were looking for. They were just, they were just hungry. Maybe that, that, that resonates with somebody. Like, you don't even know what you're looking for. Like, you feel like, I don't even know if I believe all of this stuff. I don't know if I, like, why I'm even here, but I'm seeking something. That would be what the magis were. They, they didn't even know what they were looking. They were just hungry for something. And it says, the Bible says that, that Jesus, now did you notice that Jesus is already born? You can actually read that in, the, in chapter 1 of Matthew. It says Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea. So in other words, he was born, and he was no longer in the manger when these wise men, when these magi show up. It says, during the reign of King Herod, 
About that time, some wise men from the eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? Now, I want you to pay attention to this. We'll come back to it. It says, we saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. So, so they were following a star, and what, what it did was it led them to Jesus, and, and it actually took them to Herod's palace. And when they got to Herod's palace, Herod, um, he, he wanted to find out where the, the king was, and so he tried to trick him. And he, said, he tried to get them to tell him where, where the king was. And so when they realized that Herod was up to something, they just took off and went their own way. But they continued to travel. They're traveling and traveling. Now watch this. They're traveling for probably two years after they saw the star. So in other words, it's not like the star popped up and they said, oh, let's check this out and walked over to the manger and, and there's Jesus and some animals. No, they, they took some time with this. Like they were on their way. When they saw that the, the, the star appeared in the sky, they started moving and they started directing themselves to where the Savior would be. And it was probably, some, most theologians think that it was probably a thousand miles. Like they went on some distance. It probably took them a couple of years to get there. And when the star finally led them east to Bethlehem, they they, they started on this path and they kept going and it took a hot minute to get there because they're traveling by a camel. You know, (laughs) it take a minute to get there on a camel. And so they're taking some time, they're on this camel and and they're going and when they finally get there, there's Mary and the little boy, that's Jesus. And it says when, when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. But they weren't in the stable, right? They actually entered into a home. So here's young Jesus as a little boy, and they get up in the house, and and there's the mother Mary, and they bow down and worship him. And you know what they do at that point? They open up their treasure chests. See, this is the reason why we we typically think there's three, because there's three gifts that they bring. And what did they bring them? You know the story, right? They bring them gold, frankincense, no, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, right? These are the three things that they brought them, right? And what's interesting is these, these gifts that they brought them had meaning, had significance. Like gold is something that you would give a king, royalty. You would give that to a king, you would give a gift of gold. And so they gave him gold, then they also gave him frankincense. A lot of people are like, what, what does that even mean? Frank, frankincense is a spice that it was actually a very rare spice that it would have to be extracted from really only one source. It was really hard to come by. And when they would extract this source, what they would do, the frankincense was, was utilized and used, they would burn that to, to worship a deity. See, these guys didn't even know what they were doing. They didn't even know what they were looking for. But they brought these gifts because they recognized they were hungry. And so they brought the gold to worship him as a king. They brought the the frankincense that that would worship him as a deity. And then they brought myrrh. And actually, myrrh was, was interesting. Myrrh is another really rare spice that you didn't just come upon. Like, you had to extract this. And it was actually really expensive spice, and what they would use that for is they would burn that spice. When, you, when it burns, it gave off a, ples- a pleasing odor, and it would mask the odor of death. They would use it in burial stuff to, to, to get rid of the smell of death. And, and so they didn't even know it. I think this is fascinating. They were telling the entire story of Jesus in the gifts that they brought. They, they brought his royalty, they brought his deity, they brought his humanity. They were, they were telling the story in this. And, and here's my question to you. Um, so many people think, think to themselves, man, I, I don't know if I can give anything. Like, I, I, I don't even know what myrrh is, and I certainly don't have a whole lot of gold. I can't give anything to Jesus this Christmas season. Well, I'm just saying, what, what do you give? What do you give when you feel like you don't have anything to give? Well, I, I don't know if you noticed this, but actually in those gifts... And what they were giving, I believe that they're giving so much more. And I believe that they're showing us something that you might have missed. 
I think they're showing us that there's something that every one of us can give to Jesus. And so if you're a note taker, I want you to write these down. This is something that you can give to Jesus. If you've ever asked yourself, what do I give to Jesus in the season? I don't feel like I have anything that I can give. Here's the first thing you can do. We can give our hope. You can give your hope. The Bible says they followed a star, right? When, when do stars come out? Like, like the, the stars in the sky right now, when do they come out? At night, right? When it's dark, right? That's the only time that a star comes out. So, so when it's dark outside and you're looking around, there's only two choices that you have. You can follow the darkness or you can decide to follow the light. And that, that's what hope is. Hope is saying, it, despite the fact that it might be the darkest time in my life, Despite the fact that I can't see any kind of light in my life, I'm going to choose to trust God. I'm confused. I'm concerned. I'm overwhelmed. I've got these things going on in my life. It's just dark all around me, and I don't know what to do. And I, that's, See, I think it, the beauty of Christmas is that it happens in the darkest point of the entire year. I don't think that's a coincidence. The reason why we celebrate Christmas in the middle of the darkest moment is to say that there is light. There's a light that shines in the darkness. Remember, a, a couple weeks ago, we talked about Jesus is the light of the world that came down to save us. In fact, John 1.5 says, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. See, I want you to see this. This is, this is what you can give to Jesus. Every one of us can give this to Jesus and it costs you nothing except for your, your intentionality. You've got to be intentional here. It says in the middle of this, in the darkest time, I, I don't get it, but I choose to trust you. I can't see it. I, and I'm telling you, this is as meaningful a gift that you can give Jesus as to anything that you can give him in that moment because what it says is, God, I don't see it all, but I trust you. It's faith to recognize, like, I don't have all the answers. I can't see how this is all going to work out, but I can choose to trust you. And so the, the truth is, hope's not necessary when the sun is shining on your face right? I mean, it's nice, but it's not required. Hope is only necessary when it's dark, when you can't see anything, like you can't see your way out. You see, that what I love about these, these magi, these wise men, is that they didn't just give up. They actually spent two years seeking God. Like there was two years of life. Like they didn't get to the place where like they saw a star and say, well, we didn't find him. I, I guess we'll give up. Or they get, get there and Herod says, he's trying to turn him away and like, oh, okay, well, Herod doesn't want us here. Forget it. No, they just kept pushing through. That meant that even if there were some roadblocks, even if they got there and man, I, I, I didn't feel like it. I, I got up and I decided that I'm going to keep going. And they kept on going. Th those wise men were going to, they weren't going to stop. See, that's the second thing. I think that everybody can give to Jesus this season. Number two in your notes is we can give God our fervent pursuit. You can do that. You can give God your fervent pursuit. Let me just tell it to you the way that I heard, uh, heard it on a billboard once. It said, wise men still seek him. And it's a little cliche, but I think that's true. Like the wise men were seeking him in that day and wise men still do. Wise men choose to keep seeking him, even if there's blockages that get in my way, even if there's stuff that, that, that tries to get in the way in my pursuit, I'm going to constantly pursue Jesus. I'm going to say every morning when I get up, God, I don't have everything that you have, and so until I do, I'm going to pursue you. I'm going to get up every morning, I'm going to read the word of God. I'm going to spend time in prayer. I'm going to talk to my God. I, I'm going to say, like, God, until I got everything that you've got, all that you've got for me, I'm going to get up every morning and I'm going to seek you. I'm going to get in your word. I'm going to get in your presence. I'm going to worship you today as if it was the first day. I'm going to pursue you. Every one of us can do this. We can say, God, I'm coming after you, and I'm not going to stop until I get you. And can I just tell you something? God likes that. He does. 
God's looking for, for those that are fervently seeking him, that are passionately pursuing him. In fact, the book of Jeremiah says that those who seek him will find him. But here's the caveat, when you seek him with all your heart. Like, you've got to do it with your whole heart. God says, if you'll do that, if you'll come after me. In fact, Jesus says there's a, a time coming. In fact, it's here right now when those who worship God will worship him in spirit and in truth. And that's what he says. He says, he says if you want to you give God a gift, just come after me. Just every morning, look after me. Just go after Because there's a, there's a question that I have to ask you. Like, what has happened to your quiet time? Like, is it still there? Are you still waking up in the morning pursuing him? Like, has that gone is, is it, what does your time talking to the Lord look like? Has it, has it gone away? Like, are you fervently getting up in the morning and getting after his word? Like, just finding him inside his word and, and saying, God, what do you have for me today? And God, I'm going to spend some time with you today. I'm going to fervently seek you, God, until I've got everything that you've got for me because I want everything you've got and nothing that you don't. I'm just saying, where has that gone? And if it's gone somewhere, get it back. It's a gift. You can give that to God. You can say, yes, I can do that. Some people say, I don't have anything to give to God. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. You can give him your time. You can give him your passionately pursuit of, his, of him and his word and his presence. You can do that. And here's the third thing you can do. We can give him your worship. We can give God our worship. Now, I'm not talking about the 15 or 20 minutes that we spend in, in worship at Five Stones. I'm talking about a, a different, more beautiful way of worship. In fact, Jesus de defined what worship looks like for us. He said it this way in Mark 12, because one of the teachers of the law had come and, and heard him debating and noticing that Jesus had given him a good answer. He asked, he asked them, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and in all, with all your strength. Can I say to you respectfully, the way you worship God matters. Like, like the way you love him matters. That, that, that Hebrew word strength, we, we define as strength. We actually don't have a word for it. The best we could come up with is strength. The, the really more accurate word would be to say your muchness. That's what the Hebrew word is. I love the Lord my God with all my muchness. I actually like that translation better because that's, I think that's more accurate. It says, this is everything I got, every fiber of my being, like, like my heart and my soul and my strength and my muchness. Like, Lord, I love you and I'm coming after you today. You know, I think that's what God looks for. I, I think about that and I think, you know, my, my wife... She wants to hear that I, that I love her, right? Like she, every morning when I wake up, like she wants to hear me say, I love you. And she, she likes that. I know, she told me, right? But, but I, you know, like if I just went to her like a list and said, okay, I love you and I think you're beautiful. Let's see what else what I was going to say. Do you think she'd care for that? No. I, I, I think she wants to, to see the love that I have for her expressed, right? She wants to see me love her. 
She wants to, she, she wants me to hear me say, man, I, I love you. I think you're the most beautiful woman uh, the, uh, the world has ever seen. I can't wait to spend time around you. I want to be with you. I want to hear your thoughts. Will you tell me what you're dreaming about? I, I want to be around you. I, I want to lay a big old fat kiss on you. Like for whatever reason, she likes that. And believe it or not, out of this. And, and she wants me to spend time with her. And she wants me to throw my arms around her and say, man, I, I just, I love you and I think you're God's gift to me. She likes that. I think Jesus is the same way. Like he doesn't want us to just get in here and say, okay, God, I'm going I'm to do the Sunday thing. Uh, look, check the box. I read your word. Are you happy with me? See, you couldn't make Jesus love you any more than he does. And there's nothing you could do that make you, make him love you less. He just loves you. It's so my question is, is when's the last time you did that? When when'd you give him your, your best worship? When's the last time you gave him your, your best passion? When's the last time you sung to him and you didn't care what anybody thought? And you gave him your heart and your mind and your soul and your strength and your muchness, every fiber of my being. I can't wait to get in your presence, God. I just got to be around you. I want to hear what you had to say, God. Did you have any thoughts about me or my day? God, could I just be around you? Could I spend some time with you? I think it's, it, it, it's the passionate pursuit of our God. Every one of us can give him that. You can come to him and say, God, I, it's not, listen, God doesn't need another person to just show up in church. He doesn't need you for anything. He just loves you. And he wants you. And for whatever reason, he's decided he'd do anything to get to you. I know that because he gave. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And he would do anything to get to you. I think it was beautiful. Last Saturday, not Saturday, last the Saturday before last, and we just came together as a team and and we were serving together out at um, the Isaiah 117 house. And, and we were just decorating the house because that's what they asked us to do, to put together Christmas stuff for them. And, and it was so fun when we were out there just decorating for some kids that Jesus loves so much. And we were out there doing it, and I, I looked, and it was pouring down rain. And I saw some guys that were out there. And if you didn't know any better, you'd say, well, you dummies, just wait. Wait till it stops raining. But that was the day that we had to serve. And so I looked out at those guys, and they were saturated, climbing ladders in the rain and putting up Christmas lights. Why? Because it was important to Jesus. And I just think that was as beautiful as anything we could have sung individually. Is that, that moment where we would just say, God, I'm going to give you that. I, I want to give you that. I want to I sing to you my worship. I want to read. I want to spend time in your presence. I want to I give you something today, God. And that's my question to you today. What are you going to give? And I'm not talking about the offering. I'm talking like in this, what are you going to give to Jesus. Let's, let's just make a decision in this season. Let's not just do Christmas because that's what we do at this time of year. Let's not just, let's just put out the stuff and turn on the music and, and watch the Christmas movies and do all this. Hey, that's fine. That's good. I think there's nothing wrong with that. But look, I'm just saying like, what if we made a decision that I'm going to go after God? I'm going to give him everything I got. 